bless the Lord, bless the Lord, bless the Lord this morning. God is good. Hallelujah to his name. Hallelujah to his name. Would you turn your scriptures with me? I want to go to the book of 1 Corinthians, the uh, fourth chapter, and the first verse and second verse. 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, in the first and second verses. So let a man think of us as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. I believe the King James says, and, and uh, servants, I think it says. Stewards of the mysteries of God. Verse 2, and the rest... It is sought among stewards that one be found faithful. We are stewards and ministers of the gospel. And then it says, and then it is a must that a steward be found faithful. Matthew, the 25th chapter, and we'll go to the 21st verse. In Matthew, the 25th chapter, and just read this. You probably know this story in, in the, the Lord's parable of the kingdom of God. Verse 14, a man called his servants in and delivered to them the goods of his kingdom. Some five talent. One five talent, one uh, two, and another one one. Down the 21st verse it said, And his Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will set you over many. Enter into the joy of your Lord. This morning, I want to talk about faithful servants. Faithful, faithful servants. And if you would, with me for a little while, just open your heart and just let God minister and strengthen something inside of you today because the Word of God does that. The Word of God, it, it shores us up. It strengthens us to the tasks that are in our life and the Lord just, just cause it to, to grow into our spirit this morning. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we just ask you as we come humbly before you, Lord. Oh, God, you're the great giver of life. Your words are life. Your words are great and mighty. And as we take your word this morning, I pray that we will place it in its proper place, rightly divide just exactly what you intended for us to know in this area of our life, faithful servants. We ask you, God, that pour it into us, Lord, and, and shore it up into our life, and we give you all the praise and the glory. Amen. If God wanted to make you a faithful servant this morning, how many would say with me, that's exactly what I want to be? Amen. The Lord is faithful. Oh, he's faithful. He's He's the one we can depend on. His word is faithful. Last Sunday I toiled in that area that, that the word of God, oh, it's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It what reaches into us, it divides, it divides us between the suke and the pneuma. It, it, it divides our thoughts and our intentions. It knows how to minister to mankind. I'm so thankful for the Word of God. The Word of God is powerful in those who allow it to be powerful in their life. It only stands to reason if the Lord is faithful, if His Word is faithful, then it stands to reason that His servants take on the same attributes as their Master. Matthew, the 10th chapter, 24th verse said, A disciple is not above the teacher, 
nor a servant above the Lord of him. It is sufficient, it is enough to the disciple that he become as the teacher and the servant as the Lord of him. Ephesians 5 and 1, it says, it is imperative, it's an imperative command that you become imitators of God as beloved children. The Greek word there, transliterated, is to mimic. It's to mimic. And so if I see God as this one who is all faithful, if I see his word as being all faithful, and then the command comes down to me, that I then mimic my God. Now, now, if you take that in kind of in the wrong sense, you might think, well, that, that's a little frivolous, is that we are, and we take imitations, we think of imitations as being something that's not real and, and in place of the real. But here, the Greek word, really what it means is, is that what we see, we do. That the example we have, we become. And, and really, it's a tall order. Can you say Amen. The definition, again, of, of pistos, or faithful, as God is faithful, and, and we are to become imitators of that faithfulness of God. That's that Greek word pistos, and it is reliable. It is trustworthy. It is faithful. Now, for me, that is, you know, we, we can look at God and, and His attributes and all that He is, and there's so many dimensions of God. God's not just one thing. He's not just love. Even though in the book of John, John says God is love. He's not just love, though. He is all things uh, that is of righteousness and, and goodness. God is all of those things. And, and we become loving people. Can you say, man, there is times that we fail in that love. Have you ever failed in that love? And though we are trying to attain, we're trying to copy, we're trying to mimic what God has shown us, the love of God. And we're trying to do that, but human flesh sometimes, we fall short of the glory of God. Sometimes we just don't measure up to love. And I've come back from situations at times and said, I should have been more loving. I should have been more caring. I should have had that attribute should have been working in my life even more. But thank God, He's working all things in us. God is performing in us. Only as we allow Him, He begins to change us and make us and mold us in His image. It, it, uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter, as it says that we have this thing going on in us, and it's, it's this culmination of what God is doing in us. He is transforming us. He is doing this metamorphosis in us that causes us to come from what we are to the image of Christ. It's hard for me just to look at Jesus and say, I'm going to walk like he walked. I'm going to walk without a mistake. I'm going to walk without an error without even any guile in my mouth or deceit in any way, in any kind, shape, or form, Jesus was perfect. How many knows that? Jesus was the prime great example for humanity in total perfectness. And then, but I see myself, and I see myself as lacking in the abilities to perform what the Lord did just naturally by his God nature, and he walked without a, a blemish in his life. And for me, I look at that and say, God, help me, God, stir me. I want to be like my Lord. It's enough if I can be my, like my Lord. Can you say amen? That would be enough for me. I'm never going to be him. I might as well give up on trying to be the Lord. That's not going to happen. But I want to be like him. I want to know him and be like him. And so the command is not to be the Lord, but rather to take his example and apply it to our conduct. As Christian believers, listen, faithfulness, faithfulness relies on willingness, just as following Jesus relies on the desire of our heart. We've had some preachers around here in the last couple of months have been preaching. Pastor Ronnie and different others have been preaching about desire and mentioning that. 
Because without a desire, we're not going to serve Jesus. He's not going to come along and take you and make you serve him and get it, get your arm up behind your back and cause you. No, God is going to do that. But if anyone desires to follow after me, let him. Come on, say amen. Let him. And I say this same thing. It's about willingness to be faithful to God. It's about willingness in your life. I want to be a faithful man of God. That's what I want to be. It's a determination in my heart. And because of that, I can go to him and say, Lord, now work in me. God, make me a faithful man, a faithful servant before you. But if I'm just looking for him to do everything and me do nothing, there is a good possibility that I'm going to fail in it because I'm human. Is everybody here human? Does everybody here know about failure? It's not sweet, is it? Failure hurts. Failure makes it even worse in our life. We, we even more, I said something uh, last week. I said sometimes that we trust in ourselves, and we're not always a good one to trust in because we fail. We get an idea, and we want to walk in it and go in it, and, and we may do it for a while, but then we realize, man, I can't do this. I've failed in it. But really the willingness to rely on the Lord in our life and to get our heart before Him and this willingness inside of us will bring us to faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we want to be. That is our desire. That is our focus, to be the ones who are faithful unto Jesus. Paul says to the Colossian church this, walk worthy of the Lord. Wow. Can somebody say with me, wow. Walk worthy of the Lord. That's a tall order. Walk worthy. And, and really the explanation is in the verse, if it's broke down, with a full effort to please him in everything. That's a walk that walks worthy before the Lord. A full effort to please Him in everything I do. I a lot of times want to please me. I'm more worried about pleasing myself. Sometimes I'm worried about pleasing my wife. Maybe others. Maybe we just want to please our children. And we forget that the full effort, and it goes along with the Shema, doesn't it? Love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your mind, all of your soul, all of your strength. And sometimes we forget that He's first and that we love Him first and we love others next and we do those things and we've got a lot of stuff to do, but our life is to please the Lord Jesus Christ first in our life. If we can please Him somehow... Well, how do you please God? And so we get into this area of a works gospel, and, and people, are, they're, against, they're against a works gospel. But it, it's not about earning salvation. You can do nothing to earn salvation. By grace, we are saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But yet the result of what's going on in my life, the salvation that's going on in me, causes me to want to please the one who saved me. Hey, he brought me out of a mess. He took me, David said, he took me out of a horrible pit. And there he raised me up and he set my feet upon the rock. And now my heart says, I want to serve that one who lifted me up out of sin. That's what the works gospel is about. The works gospel is not about salvation. We're saved because of his goodness and mercy. I can do nothing to save myself. But after he saved me, I have it bound in my heart to live for Jesus. It's bound inside of me. There's something that says to me inside of my heart, having been saved and born again, that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I want to live for him. There's lots of folks that have tried to live this gospel and not have that commitment in Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people that just believe the Bible's right and try and live according to good things and good works. But that's getting what we used to call the cart before the horse. If we experience salvation, then it's easy for us 
to want to serve the one who saved us. And so therefore, what follows us, and Jesus talks about good works. It's about our love towards him who saved us. It's about serving the one who touched us and did so great in our life that no one else can do what he's done. Can you say amen? But what about perfect? What about perfection? There are some scriptures that say, especially you find it in the King James Version, that says, be ye perfect as I am perfect, saith the Lord. And yet we have another taller order than even being faithful. What we understand perfect to be is to never make any error or mistake at all. That's what we consider to be perfection. But if you go to the rendering of the word teleos, teleos is a completing the stages of maturity. I like that. Completing stages of maturity in our life. That is what the Lord looks at as being perfect. Complete the stages of maturity. I've got to grow up. I need to grow up. And let me use the, the, the boys for an example here. They, they, they had a little thing here a few, a month ago. And I just looked at them and said, you need to grow up. Sometimes God looks at us that way. Can you say amen? We're acting like little toddlers. And we just got back, you know, from, from, from seeing our littlest grandchild. He's only 18 months. And that guy's a live wire. And, and he's not going to mind very much, really, let's be honest. He's going to run and play and go. And, and, but I expect out of my 21-year-old grandchild a different set of responsibilities, some maturity in his life. Can you say amen? And all the way up, we got him from 18 months to 21 now. But I don't expect the 18-month-old to act like 21, and I don't expect the 21 to act like 18 months. <laughs> and God looks at us sometimes and says, what are you doing? You're acting like a child, and you need to come into teleos in your life, which is completing some maturity. How many here this morning can say with me, well, when I came in, I had a lot of things to learn. But thank God I've learned some stuff. I don't know that I'm at full maturity yet, but I'm getting there. And, and the Lord is leading me there, and I'm growing there. And this is the idea about coming perfect before the Lord. And so the process of growing up in Christ Jesus is the evident witness of our life of reliability, trustworthiness, and what we call faithfulness. Growing up in the Lord, faithfulness is part of that. I don't expect a little child to know all the virtues of faithfulness. But I do expect us as we get older and, and responsibility-wise, and we have families now, and, and we have jobs now, and we have you know certain things that we got to take care of, and I expect that we're going to be faithful to those things. And I believe that's the way God looks at this, but there's... There's something inside of us that loves faithfulness. I honor faithfulness, and so do you. There's something about men and women who are faithful that just rings true to us. We don't really celebrate people who are wishy-washy and unfaithful. But those who are faithful men and women, it really means something to us. Have you ever had a faithful friend? A friend that would stand with you, that would help you go through trials, that would just be there when you needed a hand, that, that would even at times sponsor you if you needed money. I've had friends that were great friends. I've got a friend right now that I believe 
that if I had a million dollars and took that to him and said, will you keep this for me and I'll come back and get it later, I could totally 100% trust him. That's a trustworthy friend. That they're going to do what's right for you. They're going to help you. But then I've had friends who were not trustworthy, and so have you. That they were what we call fair weather friends. And, and when the weather got bad, they took off. And when you came into problems in your life, they're gone now. And, and when you, uh, somebody said the other day, I thought I had friends when I was in the world. And I had a good time drinking and carrying on with friends. But I noticed that when I got saved, they weren't my friends no more. Because because they never were really your friends. They weren't trustworthy. They were just going along for the ride. And as long as you were with them, everything was fun. But I thank God for trustworthy friends this morning. I thank God for brothers and sisters in the house of God who will stand with you and they're trustworthy and they, you can trust them. You can rely on them. They're going to help you. They're going to love you. I feel bad for people who don't have a church body. If you don't have a church body, you're missing a whole lot of friends. Like Jesus said, you want to find the trustworthy ones? Here they are. Here's my mother. Here's my brother. Here's my sisters. These are trustworthy people that love the body of Jesus Christ. You get down and you're going through a trial, guess who's praying for you? You have some things that in your life are catastrophes and, and, and things that seem to blow you out of the water. I'm going to tell you who's going to support you. Let me tell you this morning who's going to lift you up. Trustworthy friends. Trustworthy brothers and sisters. They're going to throw their arms around you and say, come on back. They're going to throw their arms around you and say, God is with you. We're praying for you. We're going to believe with you. I love trustworthy people. Can you say amen? Trustworthy fathers and mothers. Why do you think the old sailor, almost every time if he rolls up his sleeve, he's got mom tattooed on his shoulder? And I'm not celebrating tattoos here this morning or encouraging that in any way. But they feel like mom has been everything to them. Big old burly, I've seen big old burly guys, you know. Tough, mean, fighting guys and... And they got mom. Because, because mom is somebody you can trust. We celebrate trustworthy people. It's too bad in this day and age now that we have so many families that fathers have left the family. I don't give much respect or honor to a person that doesn't raise his children and take care of his family. Somebody say amen right there. And neither does the Lord. It's our obligation and our duty to do such. I know that in the past in our life we've had circumstances, but I'm not preaching about then. I'm preaching about right now. And so God make us right now going forward what we need to be. I know we've had issues in the past. I know things have gone wrong. But we celebrate those who have stood with their families. Come on, amen. Fathers who have stood. And, and if you've failed in this area in your life, it's time right now to stand up and say, I'm going to be a faithful father to my children as best as I can. I will be a faithful spouse to my husband, and to my wife. I celebrate that. I went out with Rudy and Zina Holub, and I thought about two weeks ago, they'd have loved to have been here when we paid off the church. They've been with us a long time. They were having their, third, excuse me, their 60th anniversary and said, Pastor, we just want you all to come out and be with us. I don't know. I remember I said a little something. But their friends were there, and we were out at the golf course or where they lived, right by the golf course there in that little clubhouse. And, and I was thinking, wow, 60 years, 60 years of faithfulness. That's a long time. Most of their life, they didn't know anything but each other. And being faithful, I celebrate that. God celebrates that. And I stand up here with people and I say, repeat this after me. 
you know, that, that, that I will cleave only unto him as long as we both shall live. And I believe that. And again, it's happened in the past. We have people here that have been divorced. We have people here that have gone through a lot of things. But what I'm preaching this morning is a now gospel. Now is the time to say, no, I'm setting my feet to be faithful. I don't care what's happened in my life. I don't care what other people are doing. I want to be a faithful servant this morning. We celebrate patriots and defenders of our country, don't we? We celebrate those men. Why? Because they faithfully stood. When other people didn't care. When other people, I, when I think we were, we were at the battlefield, and Brother Charlie was there with us at Gettysburg, and tears just began to course down his face. Because when you think about the sacrifice of men who were trustworthy for our country, who really believed in liberty, really believed in family freedoms, and and it does touch you, we celebrate that. But even more than that, we celebrate the forefathers of the faith. We celebrate the men who set this Christianity to, to, to put the torch the light to the torch of Christianity in this nation, protectors of the faith, men who struggled, men who were put down, men sometimes who who were imprisoned, but yet they stood faithful in the Lord Jesus Christ. The early apostles who they imprisoned, they beat them, they tormented them, they ran after them, they tried to capture them, and those men stood faithful. Thank God for faithful men to set this Christianity that we have and we enjoy in this place this morning. I celebrate faithful pastors and preachers, faithful teachers who don't bend, who don't come down, who don't give up in the face of a lot of cultural mess that's going on right now or just standing up and preaching this gospel of Jesus Christ. I celebrate men who will continue to hold to the word of God when the world's going one direction and the church is going another and they're just standing there with that Bible, with that word of God and preaching that word of God. I celebrate faithfulness this morning and so does our Lord. It always hurts our heart. Not too long ago, we were disappointed to find out one of the leading Christian apologist in the whole world went to universities everywhere debating the students and the faculty brilliant man brilliant man only to find out at his death that he was a phony Christian that hurts he was not faithful to his calling he did not walk worthy even though God had given him wisdom and and brilliance and understanding and he used it uh, to try, it looked like to me at least, to promote the kingdom of God, but yet in his own personal life, he was just absolutely out of touch. And that hurts us because I love faithful men and you do too. We don't base our life on unfaithful people. Mm Mm-mm. We listen to those who are faithful. Paul says to Timothy, deliver this gospel to faithful men. And then he says, who will be able to teach others also. That's the way the gospel got to us. It's the early believers, the early saints, the early apostles, preachers and teachers. They delivered it to the next generation of faithful men. And so now I say this about this church. Somebody said the other day, in fact, we were up in Oregon and the pastor said, he said, what, what you've got going here with all these kids, what, what is this? I mean, goodness, there was not a young person that was there from their church. I don't know if they have any young people, but, but they were, 
He was astonished. He said, what, what's going on here? I said, listen, this is a generational thing. We're raising up kids who grew up in this church. We're raising up people who, and, and God's equipping them now. We've got teachers and preachers and future pastors and helpers in this church now, which God raised up because we want to deliver this gospel not to unfaithful people. We want to deliver it to faithful men. And so we're looking to raise faithful men up in this church that we can hand it off to them, and they get up also and teach this same gospel that has been de delivered to them. Can you say amen? We were in service. Many of us were there. Rodney and I had been invited to preach. A father and son. I preached the service. He preached the service. And there were some others who preached the service, and their son preached the service. And one man that I respected. He preached and did very well. His son got up and said, look, my dad has a line, but his line is not my line. My line is wherever I put it and back here. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. No, this is not good. And so later, he's given the church over to his son, and it is regressing. I don't know where the line is. Talking all about social issues, talking all, the, the gospel is almost gone out of the place. And I say, that's not what we're trying to do here. What we're trying to do here is deliver this gospel to faithful men. Can you say amen? Not just because they're here, not because they grew up here, but because they have become faithful unto the service of God. And when you become faithful, then you can deliver the gospel to others also. Amen. So in our text, 1 Corinthians 4 chapter, the Spirit of God, they're dealing with, with ministries, faithful ministers, of which Paul is speaking of himself in the earlier, earlier on. He said, you know, basically his credential is that God has called him to preach this gospel. It uses a couple of words in here. If you want to go back there to, let's go back to 1 Corinthians, the uh, fourth chapter. And uh, so, so, and so let a man think of us as ministers. And he uses the word ministers there. And it's this Greek word, huparareso. Huparareso. It basically is an oarsman or an under oarsman. Back in the old time, they had vessels that men were in the bottom of the boat with oars. That was their job. You've probably seen some of that, you know, on television. And, and they said sometimes they beat the drum and they rode to the beat of the drum. They were oarsmen. That's all they were. Now, Paul is going to compare himself to an oarsman. An oarsman, he, he makes no commands. No, he doesn't. He's just a rower. That's all he does. All he does is follow commands. He doesn't make any. He's not the guy that gets to shout, time to rest. Gets to pick up the oars now and get going. Row harder, row harder. No, he doesn't do any of that. And so he compares himself to the man in the bottom of the boat, and Jesus Christ is the one who has calling out the orders. And we are doing what he says to do. We're not figuring anything out. We're not designing anything. We're just hanging on to the oar, and we're doing what Jesus said to do. That, my friends, is a faithful minister. We got too much that ministers are inventing things. Too much that men are putting programs and stuff together and building empires called churches. And the Lord's not in that. The Lord's in calling out the signal and his servants, all they're doing is exactly what he says to do. Can you come on and say amen with that? And then secondly here, he says these are uh, the stewards. He said, and stewards of the mysteries of God. And a steward... Oik, uh, say uh, oiko uh, nomos. That is the the one who actually watches over the house and hands out. And so the picture is handing out the mysteries of God. But it's not really his to hand out. It's the Lord's, and the Lord has just trusted him to hand it out. 
a good and a faithful man he has trusted to hand. God never trusts anybody to hand out his mysteries who are not faithful. So it is imperative that one who hands out the mysteries of God is first what? What is he first? A loving and just a good person. He just, boy, I tell you what, he looks right. Man, he presents himself good. I tell you what, he's got a lot of charisma, and he's really doing some great things. No, if he's not faithful, he's not doing anything in the kingdom. Nothing. Faithful is first. And so when we look at placement in the church, and sometimes people get upset, well, well, why aren't I doing something? Why aren't, listen, let me tell you this. God always makes a place for the faithful. Come on, amen. He always makes a place for the faithful. That's what he does. And so first of all, we make ourselves faithful. The King James Version said, must be found faithful, reliable, trustworthy. And listen, we're not talking now, again, let me say about this, we're not talking about perfection. God is not looking for people that are perfect. He's looking for people that he can make and mold. He's looking for people that he can transform into exact. He's looking for people that when he says row the boat, they put their arm into it and begin to row the boat. He's looking for people when he delivers the mystery of God to them to faithfully deliver it to the congregation. This is what God's looking for. He's not looking for our talents. He's not looking for our perfection. If we are waiting for perfect people to bring the gospel, then we won't have any. You need not apply if you're not perfect. If God is looking for perfection, then don't even apply, but God is not looking for perfection. God's looking for faithfulness. It's something you can do. It's something you're able to do. Can you be faithful to your wife? Well, if you want to. Can you be faithful to your children? If you want to. Can you be faithful to God? If you want to. And as you take those steps of faithfulness, God is there to inspire and help and, and, and trust you and, and deliver to you and, and encourage you so that you may walk this walk before him. Can you say amen? So we talk about the ministry needs to be faithful. Does the congregation get a pass? Well, that's a good question. I think preachers should be faithful. I think, you know, we can, what about the congregation? What, what's the big gap here? God's called me to hold the mic and preach, but I'm still part of the body of Christ. It goes the same for all of us. Come on, say amen. God, God doesn't say, well, pa- pastors and preachers need to be faithful, but the congregation can do whatever they want to do. No, it's just, okay, Ephesians 4. One faith, one calling, one hope, one Lord, one baptism, one God and Father of all that we serve. Can you say amen? So it's not, you know, even though gifting is different, still God requires of his servants. And I got, I got something here that I want to share with you because in Matthew 10, and I already read it. Let, let me go back up there. I'm going to push back up to that. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor the servant above his Lord. It is sufficient to the disciple that he become as his teacher and the servant as his Lord. And so, let me get back down to my spot. Here we go. Matthew 10, every believer, every believer becomes a disciple. What does the word disciple mean? Now, there are preachers that will say, no, there are those that believe, and then there's those that are disciples. So it's like a difference between a believer and a disciple. The Lord doesn't give, he doesn't give that ground here. He says that they are a disciple or a student. The word disciple means learner. A Matthias, he is, he's one that learns. He's a student. That's what a disciple is, a student. And so we look at Jesus' ministry, and he selected 12 what? Disciples. At that point, they are not apostles. They are disciples. 
They are learners. Now, I found out in my life that even if later on God does call you to do something else, you never quit being a disciple, a learner. Like high school, you know, we go, you know, 12th grade, get our diploma, throw our hat in the air, and we're done. Well, with Jesus, you never throw your hat in the air. You're always a disciple. <laughs> you know, well, man, I'm 65 years old now. I should, you know, I put it on cruise control. No, I'm a disciple. When I stop being a disciple, I stop learning. So I want to ever learn about the Lord. But then the second phase of this, look at this, it's beautiful because the second phase and a servant, the disciple's not greater than his teacher, and the servant is not greater than his master. But you don't become a servant until you're a disciple. A lot of people want to serve in the kingdom, and they don't know nothing. They never became apostles until after they had been disciples for many years. A lot of people want placement in the church, and and they haven't been a faithful disciple, and they want placement in the body, and and you just can't understand what's going on because I don't get placed in the body, and here I am. And 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 but if unless you come to the place where you have learned, unless there's nothing to send you out for if you haven't learned anything. An apostle means the one who has stopped and learned and been sent out. Well, why would you send him, um, somebody out that doesn't know anything? The Lord's not sending out people who are not learned. He's schooling them and teaching. Well, where's that happening? In front of other apostles, those that have learned, those that have been taught, those now that are able to deliver this same gospel to the next generation or the next people that get saved. They need to understand. They need to become disciples. And then you become a disciple, and then you become a servant or a worker for the Lord Jesus Christ. There are no exemptions in the kingdom. You become disciples, learners. You stay a disciple, but then you become a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, years ago, they used to take young men, and this was it happened in Pentecost a lot. Take a young man who was fiery, and he only been saved, you know, a few months. But boy, he was on what we call on fire. And we sent him out there. A lot of times they sent him out to, 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 to pastor churches, little churches, and, or to start works. And man, they didn't make it no time. They had fire. They just didn't have any learning. They had zeal, but their zeal wasn't in being a disciple. It was in being some kind of worker. Well, you can't work until you learn. Somebody say amen. I don't know that I've ever seen this and how the Lord put this in this in this 10th chapter of Matthew, but, but really it does us no good to try and equip people to go out without any learning in their life. And so how long does that learning take? I'll tell you what, sometimes... Uh, Depending on how hard-headed you are, it might take a lifetime for God to get you ready to do something in your life. Is that all right? Is everybody okay? You mad at me yet? So, well, Pastor, I've been on the bench a long time. You know, God needs to, well, as he doesn't, doesn't the Lord know his? Doesn't the Lord know his own? Doesn't the Lord know his people? I know my children and, and them growing up, and, and I knew what responsibilities came next. I'm not going to give them a responsibility they can't handle. And neither is God going to give you a responsibility you can't handle. He's going to school you and teach you, and you're going to sit at his feet like a, like a good disciple. And you're going to say, Lord, teach me. Lord, I just need to keep learning and learning and learning. And then all of a sudden, the Lord says, now I want you to be a servant, and you're going to serve me in this area or that area. You're going to be a faithful servant unto me. We cannot know what to do without learning his ways and becoming disciples. And we cannot please him without implementing those things which we have been taught. And we become servants ourselves. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that, you know, they say all good things must come to an end. We got about 15 minutes. All of the apostles classified themselves as servants. Do you read their works that says, Paul, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jude, a servant. Do you read 
the writers of the New Testament that say, I'm just a servant and I know who I am in the Lord. I'm, I'm an oarsman and I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. An apostle, yes, but being sent, prepared by the Lord as disciples to go and be an apostle. And then Jesus says in John 13, 16, Most assuredly I say unto you, Amen, truly I say unto you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor an apostle greater than the one having sent him. And those men kept that in their heart. They never got to the place where they felt like that they were the master. They always felt like that they were the servant. Listen, a man that's really connected with the Lord always knows his place in the Lord. You don't become the God of people. You don't become the one who is great and mighty and has the great voice and the healing touch. Never, because you're in contact with him and he keeps you humble as a servant before him. You just serve him. You just love him and serve him. And this was the mind of the, the apostles' disciples who are with Jesus Christ. The one who called us. The one who disciples us. The one who imparts unto us the mysteries of his gospel is 100% faithful. And he expects us to reflect that same divine nature that he has. And again, I say, Lord, that's, that's big. That's, that's large. But Peter came along and said, listen, we are sharers and partakers of a divine nature. So my natural man, I can't allow him to take my, take my life. Come on, say amen. I can't allow him. Because that's not the divine nature. But the divine nature of God, which we are partakers, it causes us to reflect the faithfulness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. The race is not to the swift. I like to watch track and, and, and see him run. Usain Bolt is, I, I don't even know how to describe, he's just almost in another world, faster than everybody else. He outran them so bad when I was watching, it was just almost a joke. It was like a man running against children. But if you take that same guy and put him in the 1500. And let him run distance. He's not going to come in first. He's probably going to come in last. This race that we're in is not an explosion of strength and going ahead with great zeal and running really, really, really hard until we can just exhaust ourselves and wince. That, that is not the race that we're in. We are in an endurance race. It connects us with that same thing called faithfulness. We're faithful today, then tomorrow, the day after that, the week after that, the month after that, the year after that. Somebody said, I've been serving Jesus for a long time. Good for you. And if you've been faithful, stay right on it because it is faithfulness that God's looking for, not a sprint. He's not expecting you to get up and run real hard for a month and then fall out. Somebody said, I'm taking a break from God. They were running so hard they had to take a break. That's not what God is doing. But we are enduring with him. Can you say amen? And so we pick it up today and we run. And then we get up in the morning and we begin to run and faithful, faithful, faithful before God, faithful every day, faithful in how we conduct ourselves, faithful in our families, faithful in our wives and children and, and faithful at our jobs, faithful in going to church, just being faithful to God. Well, I've been to church, I have been to church thousands of times and I expect if I live long enough, I will go to church thousands of more times because I want to be faithful to what God has called me to Amen. There's many that start the race and don't finish. 
Brother Tommy Barnett preached a sermon. We were, this is many, many years ago, we were at his church. He said there were three men who started out to try and do national evangelism. And it was in the time when TV was just coming out. They have a lot of tent meetings and those kind of things, and probably most of you don't remember that time. But Billy Graham and two other men. And what his sermon was about is finish well. The two other men ended up leaving the ministry. And, of course, we know Billy Graham, you know, for, for years and decades and did a lot of good things. He did a lot of good things. I don't agree with some of his latter doctrine and whatnot, but that, that man traveled the world, and he was faithful to do that. It's not to the one who starts out on the sprint. I guess it's one of the reasons why that in this church we don't have a lot of come to the altar and and then we're going to make a big scene and then for about a week we're going to do really, really what we call good and then we're going to revert back to where we were. Because our experience in the Lord isn't about a one-time altar thing. Our experience in the Lord is daily. Take up my cross today. See, it's just, just another form of faithfulness. I take up my cross today, and I follow him today and tomorrow and the next day, and I can't just run out there and sprint. I'm going to get this thing done. I'm going to get this Christian thing really going. No, I've got to set myself for the pace from the time I surrender my heart on whatever time that is, whatever point of my life that I surrender my heart from that moment until I lay down in death, I am going to be faithful to Jesus Christ. It's the Christian life. No wonder Jesus said, count the cost, you know. You don't get the reward for running really hard, really fast. And, and so, in, I took that verse out of Hebrews 12, Let's run the race with patience. And then it says that we have a great cloud of witnesses. And I used this some time ago. It's almost like they're sitting in the grandstands. And some of you all have been playing football, right? And when you break out that run, Parker, and they begin to cheer, what does it do? It's like, whoa! <laughs> you know, nobody's in the stands. It's kind of, you know, do my best. But when you hear that cheer, and, you know, they're all, wah, it just, it just is an encouragement. And this is the way I see in, in Hebrews 12. We have, we have this great cloud of witnesses, and their lives are cheering us. Because if we go back to chapter 11, and it talks all about faith. But really, if I view it from this direction, it's not just their faith. Oh, I'm glad they subdued things. I'm glad that they had miracles. And No, but that doesn't really help me that much. Really what helps me is their faithfulness, is that they stayed on even through persecution. They stayed on when people walked away. They stayed on when it was hard, when people, when they got arrested, when they got thrown to lions, when they were sawed asunder. They stayed on. It's not the miracles that's going to fix your life. It's the faithfulness that's going to fix your life. Faithful before him whether there's a miracle or not you are faithful to Jesus Christ and that's what I see in this 11th chapter and that is what cheers us on I think of some faithful people in my life and I remember them and I take courage I think of case folks faithful servants of God my mother who, I couldn't tell you a time that she did anything that wasn't Christian and faithful. What a godly woman. I think about some of the men and women that passed on since we've been pastoring here. Just serving the Lord. Just faithful servants to God. And it, it helps me take strength. Can you say amen? 
If you had a faithful person in your life that showed you a good example, a grandma, a mama, maybe a, a father, a granddad, somewhere down the line, and you once once in a while you think about that and say, man, I remember that because that was that says something to my life. Hey, I can go on through that. I can make it because I know other people have made it, and it cheers my life to go towards the finish line. I, I keep going. I keep running. I take this race and, and endure the pain, and I endure the suffering and I endure the disappointments and I endure people who have left and not faithful but I will stand because I know God is faithful and I know that that he causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus we're not just out here on God causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus he was faithful I can be faithful in the Lord Jesus Christ and what were these people anyway what they were carpenters and artisans they were retailers and salesmen and house stewards and housewives. They were fishermen and laborers and farmers and cowhands and shepherds. They were poor. They were middle class. And they were wealthy. They were commoners. And they were royalty. It didn't matter what station was in their life. It didn't matter how much money they had in their hand. It didn't matter if they drove nails or if they sold parts, it none of that matters. What mattered in their life is they showed an example of faithfulness. One of the reasons why the church is in trouble is because this generation that we stand in did not show the next generation faithfulness. It didn't show them the truth of living for Jesus and continuing to live and live and live and be faithful. And we expect them to do something they did not have an example to do. Let me close here. I usually don't close before 12, and it's right there, so we're, we're good. Only The only eternal reward, the only eternal reward worth striving for comes in the form of a Christian life summary. You go to stand before the Lord. The scripture does say that we will all stand before him. Paul said there will be a, what we call a bemus judgment. That every man will give account of his deeds. But when I make it up there in front of him, I don't believe my works are going to carry enough weight I believe his salvation. Can you say amen? But when I come up in front of him, I just want him to say to me what he said there in the scripture in Matthew 25. Well done. Not somebody who performed great things. You did great things, Rod Kincaid. But I'll tell you what, you just, you were a mighty man of valor. No, I don't need that. All I need for him to say to me is well done done thou good and faithful 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 servant that's all I want to be to the Lord as a faithful servant can this sure say amen that's all I want to be to the Lord I'm like I'm going to impress him right I'm, I'm going to really do some things going to impress the Lord we cast out devils in your name no 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 well done good and faithful servant. Some are given more responsibility in the kingdom than others, but everybody's a servant. Some are expected, God gives you a talent, He expects you to use it. If you don't have that, God just expects you to be faithful. And so I guess what I'm saying in total summary here this morning is just be faithful. That's all. Just be faithful. God's going to reward that. That's the only reward. Can you imagine? Okay, I've got like a whole trunk of gold and silver. What did you get? And that stuff isn't going to matter one bit to us. All we're going to look for is the approval of our Lord and our Savior. Just get his approval. That's all I want. Lord, let's pray. God, we just, I poured out my heart this morning, Lord, believing that 
that this is your way. It's what you are. It's faithful. It's your word. You're faithful to us, Lord. You are so faithful, oh God. And we, we come to you with needs and problems and troubles, and you're just faithful. I pray that that faithfulness that you have inspired as part of the Christian faith, Lord, that we exhibit that. God, I want to be faithful. I want to be a faithful man. I want to be a faithful husband, a faithful father. Lord, I want to be a faithful servant of Jesus Christ. So I pray, Lord, that you would impress that on us. Not great things, faithfulness. Faithful, faithful to the house of God. Faithful to the things of God. And, Lord, I know you will establish that in us. And we give you glory, Jesus. Amen. 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 What, what a great God that we share with us.